Well, I want to get back into just in the few moments we have here, just prepared something pretty short today, um, continuing with the line of encountering God's presence. Um, Melody hit on this. You know, there's so much to be thankful for that we have here in the States. Air conditioning, hallelujah, praise the Lord. I don't know, that's the most I sweat out of the whole year. And, you know, doing yard work, I love to be outside and I sweat a lot, especially during the summer. But I have never sweat so much just sitting still, right, Mel? I mean, it is unbelievable, just the humidity and the heat that's there. Uh, And of course, our American bodies just aren't used to it. And they're out playing soccer and all this kind of stuff. Come on, pastor, play soccer. I'm like, I'm going to die, but let's go. You know, so we're out there playing and... um, So appreciating comfortable beds, like Mel said, Um, appreciating foods that we get to eat here. Um, It's much healthier there. It doesn't always look the best, and it's not always prepared up to standards. But anyway, much healthier than what we have um, in many instances. But just so much to be thankful for. And so it, it does add a lot of perspective of we truly are blessed. We, we really are. Um, I don't know that there's any jealousy from the, the people in Jamaica necessarily because they don't know a lot different. You know, I, I think of, um, there was one girl who was there. She was in one of the pictures, anyway, helping to lead worship that day. She now lives in Miami. Um, so she's used to a lot of the comforts that we have here in the U.S. But she was so excited to be back home with her friends, with her friends, with her family. And, um, and of of course, she was wearing, like one night, craziest thing, she's totally wearing a winter beanie, a winter hat, toboggan, whatever you call it, depending on where you're from. And we're back here dying, and we're like, girl, take that thing off. And they're wearing hoodies and all this stuff. We're dying. Um, but it, it does, it reminds, it reminds me of how much we are to be thankful and how much I am to hold loosely to the things that God has, has blessed us with to make those things available for His service and for His use. So I want to talk to you today about loving the world. Um, and we're going to be in 1 John. So if you want to turn to 1 John uh, chapter 2, we're going to share several verses today, but if, you know, just in the remaining time. So I'm going to be skipping around, but the main portion where I'll, you can turn to today is 1 John uh, chapter 2. And as we're talking about encountering God's presence, this particular series and through the rest of the year, we're, we're talking about the presence of God and Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place, fill the atmosphere. We, we sang about that this morning and, and how powerful that song is, uh, just invoking God's presence. Um, and so, but we want to understand that as we have eternity in mind, I believe it helps us to live in that mindset a lot better. I'm thinking about heaven, knowing that one day I'm going to be in heaven. And there are people that do not know Jesus who need to know Jesus. We had a great experience yesterday. You guys all know Mo. He lived with us for a couple months and um, helped to raise West when he was a puppy. Well, we had a girl from New York who came down this weekend, and uh, she would babysit West whenever Mo had classes or whatever. And, you know, we're praying for her salvation because she's not a believer. And so we think, wow, it's amazing how this guide dog opens a door to these people who don't know Jesus. And so living with eternity in mind, I want people to know Jesus. And so living with that in eternity in mind, so loving the world, what does that mean? Which world are we to love? In this passage where we're going to be in John 2, 1 John chapter 2, He's talking to believers uh, so that we understand the principle of how we can enjoy an intimate relationship with God. I want to encourage you in your relationship with God. 
every day pray. Every day read, even if it's one scripture. Every day. Nurture that relationship that you have with God. It's interesting, the book of 1 John isn't telling sinners how to get saved, but it's telling believers how to enjoy this relationship with God or you can lose it. And I think that's probably my biggest fear is that I get so sidetracked that I lose, not my salvation, but I lose the relationship that I have with Jesus. I'll never want to lose that. So he's talking about that. And here's, here's the memory verse. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Say this with me. Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. Think about that. It goes on in verse 16 to say, For the world only... The world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, pride in our achievements, possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. This world is fading away with, along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. We'll uh, target those verses at the end here in just a few moments, verse 16 through uh, 17. But I want to talk about what, is, what does John mean when he says the world? Now, when we were flying to Jamaica, we got to see a lot of the world. We saw South Carolina, probably Georgia. Uh, we saw Florida. I saw Daytona International Speedway. You could see it from the airplane. I'm like, Mel, look, I know what that is. That's the racetrack. It's huge. Uh, we saw a lot of water. Uh, we saw Cuba, flew right over Cuba, and then, so we saw a, just a small portion of the world. So when we think of world, we could think the globe um, and, and how that is. When we think of world, we can think about people who are in the world. But what is Paul, uh, what is uh, John talking about here? In this context, he's talking about the spiritual reality of where we live. He's talking about the system that is headed by Satan that leaves God out of the equation. When John is talking about do not love the world, he's talking about the system that we live in, that he controls, that leaves God out of the equation. You ever been in those situations before where you walk into a room, you walk into a situation and there's no thought of God? There's no regard for God, maybe some disdain. And he's saying, don't love it. Don't love this particular system. If you will look and just write in your notes here, but if you turn over a few chapters to chapter 5, verse 19, it says, we know that we are children of God and that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. Think about that for a moment. The world that is around you that does not acknowledge God is under the control of the evil one. And you know, we're in these situations every single day in your schools, at your job, uh, your workplace, maybe some of the friends that you have. And this is what he's talking about. We are children of God and that the world around us is under control of the evil one. World relates to a central theme that leaves God out, whether it be money, whether it be success, that leaves God out. Okay. Now, is money a bad thing in and of itself? No. But it is when it leaves God out. Is success a bad thing? No. But it is when it leaves God out. I want all of you to be super successful in whatever God has called you to. Work hard. Honor the Lord. But don't leave Him out of your daily life. Because that's what this is talking about. While we are in the world, He is saying we are not to love it. Because Satan wants you to fall in love with the world. In the, in the situation that we're talking about, success, 
fame, money, pleasures of this world that leave God out. Satan wants us to fall in love with those things. As a matter of fact, Jesus understood this, and we've been in 1 John, but the book of John, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Jesus said this in chapter 17, verse 14. Jesus says, Father, I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world. You know, that is why believers today are facing persecution, because the world hates believers who have the word of God. Just as I do not belong to the world, Jesus says, verse 15, I am not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Have you ever had the thought, Jesus, just come back right now, take me out of this situation? or even, I've said this before, even, Lord, I need a new job where I can be surrounded by believers. You know, Jesus prayed that you would not be taken out of those situations because you're the light that shines in the darkness in those situations. So he says, they do not belong to this world any more than I do. You can be in the world and benefit from it without loving it, is what he is saying there. And it will reflect in the choices that you make. Are the choices out of greed or out of generosity? Are the choices out of self or loving others? Uh, Romans 12, 2, we're going through Romans. Mr. Stowe just taught two Wednesday, this past Wednesday night uh, in Romans where it says, don't copy the behaviors and the patterns of this world in the way that they do things, in the way that they operate, the way that they walk over each other. When faced with the choice... What he's saying is, don't choose the world over God. Don't leave God out of the equation. And as we go back to John, 1 John chapter 2, where it says, you lose the love of the Father in you when you love the world. And here's my plea today. I don't want us to lose the relationship that we have with our Father over the things that this world has to offer. Can we benefit from this world and the things it has to offer? Yes, but let it not be at the sake of our relationship with him. As a matter of fact, if you're taking notes, Galatians chapter 1 verse 4 says that Jesus gave his life for our sins just as God our Father planned in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. That was Galatians chapter 1 verse 4. God Jesus died upon the cross in order to save us from the world. Tony Evans said it like this. So here's the question. Who's your daddy? You heard that said before. Who's your daddy? Is it your father in heaven or is it the world? We cannot experience the reality of him in our lives when we want to continue to hold on to the world because it's a decision that we make willfully. Now, I think what Jamaica does for me every year is helps me to understand how blessed we truly are and that those blessings, yes, they're from the Lord. Why doesn't Jamaica experience all these? You know, I, I don't know all the answers to that question. I just know I have to be thankful for where I am and for where God has placed me. And here's what I understand, too. The decision that they willfully make every day is to praise God, the, the believers. They praise God no matter their circumstance, no matter their situation. And that's why they come up with the thing, there's no problem. Well, man, we got plenty of problems. Well, they didn't say you didn't have situations. There's situations that are there, but we know the problem solver. We know the one who can get us through these situations. So the other question, number two, do I really want to 
to be close to Him like I say I do. When you talk to believers, when you talk to me, I'll say, I, want to, I desire God, I want Him to be central in my life. But is that always truly the case? It's a fair question to ask, to evaluate. Or do I prefer the world? When I choose the world, I am choosing against His presence. Now remember, when we're talking about the world, we're talking about the circumstance and the situation where Satan rules that leaves God out of the equation. We're not talking about the benefit. You know, there's benefits that we enjoy. There's blessings we enjoy. I got to drive my vehicle here this morning. I did not have to walk here. I am thankful for my home. I am thankful for my vehicle. But am I leaving God out of the situation? James puts it this way in chapter 4, verse 4. James 4, 4 says, You adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world, Satan's world system, makes you an enemy of God. I say it again, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. What friendship with the world does, it puts me in conflict with God because I'm aligning myself with Satan's system. What does it do? Leaves God out of the equation. See, there's a system of this world. When we include God, when we thank Him, when we submit our, let's talk about possessions, let's talk about our positions, when we submit those things to Him, we're not following in line with the, the, the worldly ways anymore and what we're talking about. Because friendship with the world puts me in conflict with God. Um, when Paul was writing to Timothy, this was in 2 Timothy chapter 4, there was a guy named Demas. And uh, Paul made this statement to Timothy. He said, there's this guy, Demas. He deserted me because he loved the things of this life. It was the things that had him. We've said this before too. You can have things... So long, as, so long as things don't have you, the, the, the draw that's there. It's okay to have things as long as they don't have you. Paul was calling Timothy for help. He said, Timothy, I need you to come. Demas has abandoned me, and I need your help. Church, we must surround each other and encourage one another to follow after the things of God and to be on His plan. You know, when we were in Jamaica, we had our team that was there. And, we, and when I say our team, I'm talking about Jamaicans and Americans. And there were a few people there who did not know Jesus. And so we would surround and we would pray the last day of Holy Spirit class. We, well, you guys were upstairs with the kids, um, Gabe and Melody were. But we brought all the youth that were there um, and older, and we surrounded them and we prayed for them because they're getting ready to go into a very hostile environment. Many of them, by the way, uh, the crime rate in Kingston, which is where some of these youth and adults live, is higher than the crime rate in Chicago. Think about that for a minute. Now, they don't necessarily have all the guns, that, that, the crimes that are committed, but the crime rate is higher than that of Chicago. So we pray over them as they are in the world, just as Jesus did, that they are protected from that and that they're not drawn in. Um, and by the way, the story that I'm about to tell you probably happens even here at our American camps, but I remember one of the first nights, second night we were there, first or second night, when the campers had arrived, uh, there were a couple boys that had gone down and they were smoking down there, and so they got in trouble. Uh, naturally, they got in trouble. And so it's not like, <laughs> it's funny how things operate in Jamaica that's totally opposite of, of America. You cannot go through someone's personal belongings here in the United States because of privacy stuff. Oh no, not there. The leaders were going through their bags, they're looking for stuff, they're, they're, and they found a little thing of, of marijuana there for the young man. And here's what I appreciated. These adult leaders took this young man aside 
And instead of kicking him out, they, they took it, right? And they disposed of it. But they began to explain to him the things of God. And you're a young man and you do not want to become part of this world. You know what he has been surrounded with? Ways of the world. And so we pray over them. I am so thankful they did not send him home. Because for the rest of the week, he was able to hear the truth of God's word and to be prayed over and honestly, to be monitored. Praise God. I am thankful he was caught because now he has a chance and he has men who live in his community who can come alongside of him. Amen. That's awesome. But do I want to be close to God like I say that I do? We must be careful to not so desire the acceptance of this world that we lose our relationship with our Father and neglect the fellowship of His Holy Spirit? Do the things of the world crowd out the things of God? And again, we're talking about loving the things of this world over the presence of God. So I want to, uh, in the closing moments here, go back to John, 1 John 2, 16 and 17 here. And Paul's going to show us three reasons um, why we should not choose the world over God, as if there are only three reasons or, you know, and, and he's talking to believers here, okay? We think, well, I wouldn't choose the world over God. But you know what? We do it every day. When I say we, believers as a whole, and uh, there's times in my life even I, I do that. And here's the three things that he pulls out. Let me read verse 16 again. For the world only offers a craving for physical pleasure, number one, a craving for everything we see, number two, and number three is a pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. So first of all, why should we not choose the world over God? Well, he talks about a craving for physical pleasure. The New King James Version and King James Version, I believe, calls it the lusts of the flesh. You've heard that phrase if you've grown up in church at all. This, uh, this, we have this craving, this desire to fulfill the lusts of the flesh, our physical pleasure. This is a craving, this is craving a pleasure outside of the will of God. And, and what we're talking about, either because the thing itself is wrong or the context within it is wrong. Here's the thing. What, we have, what I have been taught in church for so long and then coming to an understanding of what the Bible says, you know, drinking wine isn't wrong according to the Bible, right? Now, I choose not to, right? But the Bible says it's not wrong. However, being drunk is. That's what the Bible says, okay? That's just an example. Uh, another thing, sex itself is not wrong, is it? But outside of the confines of marriage, how God intended it, yes, it is. So that's what he's talking about here, a craving for physical pleasure that goes against God's word. Amen? That's what he's talking about. Do I really want to be close to him the way, I, the way I say that I do? Then I can't go against his word and be drawn to the desires that the world has to offer. Satan causes us to fall in love with the pleasure so that we lose relationship with our father. He wants to do that and he is fighting for you. That's what he does. He is fighting for you. He wants you to experience the doom that he has. Secondly, a craving for everything we see is called the lust of the eyes. It's a craving for stuff that you, quote, have to have. And it comes at the expense of the things of God. If I fall into anything, it's this. I've got to have it. I've got to have this. You know, uh, the late, the next, next time I get a little bit of money, I'm getting myself, a, uh, you guys know I'm getting myself a classic car. And that's okay, isn't it? As long as it is not 
in place of what God has called me to do, right? As long as it doesn't come at that expense. But what I'm talking about here is a craving for everything that we see that goes against the plan of God, the will of God, and the purposes of God for my life. Puts it this way. It is spending money that we don't have on things we don't need to impress those we don't know. We're good at that in America, aren't we? In the U.S., we are so good at that. Spending, on, spending money on things we don't have, on things we don't need, to impress those we don't know. So that's a craving for everything we see, the lust of the eyes. Thirdly, our pride in our achievements. The Bible calls this the pride of life. It's the illegitimate pursuit of, of position. Now, I will always preach this. Be the best that you can be. Go after what God has called you to do and be the best that you study hard. You know, Chloe and her friends back there, oh my Lord, they're going back to Duke. But anyway, be the best that you can be while you're there. Oh, <coughs> Hills. Be the best that you can be while you're there. All the kids who are going back to school, be the best. When you go to work tomorrow, you know what? Be the best that you can be in your job. Absolutely, but don't illegitimately pursue something without God's purposes and plans. This is talking about people who lie and cheat to get ahead. We align with those whose value system don't line up with ours. What we're learning is we cannot deny our values or God to get ahead. Here's the question to ask, is it God's will? And this should always be our question. God, is this your will? Do not love the position outside of the will of God. You know, Eve fall into the trap. She fell into that very thing. There was something that she was not allowed to have, and she went after it because she fell in love. Satan deceived her, and then her own choice, she went after it. She fell into those traps. Satan tempted Jesus with these lures, but Jesus didn't fall into the traps. I want to be more like Jesus. I want my relationship with the Father to be intimate to where I know him, and that's my prayer. God doesn't condemn having things. He condemns loving these things and loving them over God. If it doesn't trump God, then enjoy it. 1 Timothy 6, verse 17. 1 Timothy verse 6, 17 through 19. It says, Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all that we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will uh, be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. Now, if you'll notice this text, God does not condemn the rich people in this text, except for when it trumps their relationship with God. By the way, did you know that people who have less money than rich people can be just even more greedy? You can be just as greedy and just as selfish even when you don't have the money that other people have, right? It's how we use it, how we use possession, how we use the things that we see, how we use our, um, the, the role that God has us in. Just don't let it trump God. And thirdly, third question, how bad do you want the presence of God? Verse 17 that we've already read in John, 1 John chapter 2, it says, The world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. See, we shouldn't love the world because it is fading away. You know the presence of God does not. 
where will we spend eternity? In the presence of God is the hope, right? For those who are in Christ. But what about this world? Everything is fading away. And so he's saying, have an eternal perspective and enjoy the presence of God more than you enjoy these other things. Things aren't bad, right? We should love, we, let me say that again. We shouldn't love the world because it is fading away. You know, the new car becomes a car. New clothes becomes clothes and tomorrow's cleaning cloths. <laughs> a new house becomes a house, right? But God is eternal. His presence is everlasting. May we pursue his presence above anything else. Amen? May we pursue his presence above and be thankful for what we do have. God, may, will you use the things that you've blessed us with to spread the kingdom of God? It was so cool last night having this, uh, this girl over at our house who helped to raise West. You know, we were able to use our home. Stasha made a wonderful meal uh, for them, and we sat in the living room, and we talked, and we prayed. You know, God, we, we prayed before every meal when they were with us twice. You know, hey, by the way, we're going to pray. Do you guys want to join in with us? Oh, yeah, sure, absolutely. I'm praying that that turns into salvation. We were using the things that God has blessed us with for an eternal perspective. Can we stand this morning?